Well, for those of you that don't know me, uh, most of you probably at least recognize me at this point, but my name is Daryl Nelson. I am the minister of high school here at Cross Life. Um, and actually, just this past week, celebrated two years of being here at Cross Life, um, which is crazy to think uh, what all's gone down in that two-year window. Uh, we have gone through a global pandemic. Uh, we've canceled camp. We've had camp twice. Um, we, we've gone through all these things. We've had to cancel mission trips. We've replanned mission trips. We're just excited about what God is doing uh, in and through our students here at Cross Life. Um, I love what I get to do. I've been in student ministry for about 16 years full time, which is crazy because I intentionally choose to hang out with teenagers uh, for most of my professional career and most of my professional life. So uh, pray for me because I'm not sure what that says about my sanity. I'm not sure what all that means about who I I am and like the ink blot test, like it pops up. I usually say teenager, uh, teenager or mess made by teenager. Usually somewhere along those lines, it falls in there. But uh, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love what I get to do. I get to point teenagers towards Jesus um, on a daily basis, and I just love it. I get to serve alongside my beautiful wife Amanda. Uh, we have been married for all of that time that I have been serving, all but six months. Like, we were engaged for the first six months of my, of my full-time ministry. And then, like, from then on, like, just partners in ministry, doing everything together. Uh, we have three kids. Um, I, I have a almost freshman, almost seventh grader, and almost fifth grader. Um, so pray for me, because I'm, I'm entering this new stage of ministry where my kid, my own kid, will be in my ministry. Uh, so this will be something new. Um, also, it changes the sermon illustrations I'm allowed to use because uh, that's all I use. I use my kids and I make fun of them from the pulpit. So I got to be a little more careful on how I do that. But I do have one or two in here today. So buckle up, kids. Um, they're in here right now. So, but I love what I do. I love getting to invest in teenagers. Everything I do points towards showing teenagers the love of Jesus. I love that I get to just have honest conversations, have honest heart-to-heart -heart conversations with, with students on a daily basis. And I would, I would imagine that you would be hard-pressed to find someone in this room right now that believes in teenagers more than me. Because I believe wholeheartedly that teenagers, when on the right path, when, when living their lives correctly, when, when pursuing Jesus, are dangerous in the best way possible. They're almost reckless in their pursuit of Jesus. And a lot of times we just have to get out of the way and say, all right, God, get to work. Now, some of you might be like, well, I believe in my teenager, well, that's great. Like, you're supposed to. As a parent, like, if you, if you have a teenager, you're supposed to believe in them. And that's great. And I encourage you to keep believing in them. Be their biggest cheerleader. But do you believe in all teenagers? Do you support all teenagers? Do you invest in our students? Do you believe that they could be world changers? Because here's the thing, guys. I believe wholeheartedly that when Jesus fills a teenager, when Jesus gets a hold of their life, they can become world changers just like that. We would see a shift in our culture. We would see a shift in our church. We would see a shift in our community if just a handful of teenagers would grab a hold of what God has for them and live it out in their lives. Just two weeks ago, we got to go to student camp down in Lake Placid, about a couple hours south of here, and it was just a great five days of heat 
and exhaustion and worship and poor camp food and all these things that we just got to just enjoy and we got to pour into students. And we, through that week of ministry, we saw at least six students give their lives to Jesus. Step from death to life, which is worth celebrating. Like this is a, the greatest thing that you could ever see in a student's life is seeing them step from a life that's headed towards hell towards a life that's headed towards heaven through Jesus Christ. And we saw at least six. There might be more we aren't aware of, but we know of six. Then later on in the week, we had the opportunity to, to baptize nine students. Nine students there that wanted to go public with their faith in front of their peers, in front of their friends, and say, hold me accountable. I want you to, I want you to keep me in check. I'm publicly declaring my allegiance to Jesus right here in this moment, in this lake. Keep me accountable. But on top of that, we saw another 100 students or so on the final night of camp step forward and fill the altar with the decision and the commitment that they're going to stand firm on the promises of God, that they're going to live a life that takes that next step in faith, that takes that next step towards pursuing Jesus wherever they are on that journey, and that they were going to do it together, and they were going to stand firmly upon those promises. As a youth pastor, I left that camp encouraged. I left that camp exhausted. But I also left that camp challenged. Challenged to do everything I possibly can in my power to not let that momentum stop at camp. To not let it just be that camp experience where they go for five days, they're poured into, they're lit on fire for God, and then they come home and it just stops. But in order for that to happen, it's more than just me, it's more than just our camp counselors, it's more than just our small group leaders. Because teenagers need to be guided by the right people. If we're going to reach this next generation, if we're going to, to equip and empower and invest in this next generation, I need adults that can step in, that can be intentional in reaching them. Now I will say this, Cross Life has been just a godsend to me in student ministry. I haven't been a part of a church that supports student ministry as much as Cross Life does. And that comes from the top. Pastor Mercer, like, believes in students just about as much as I do. If he was here, I'd say he believes in them more just because, you know, he's my boss. But I think I do more. But he loves teenagers. He cares about our student ministry. There, on Wednesday nights during the school year when we're having youth group, it's not uncommon to see pastor walking through between 6 and 6.30 and just popping in and hanging out with students, challenging them to ping pong. He's undefeated, by the way. So if we have any challengers, he'll take it on. But he intentionally spends time with students. He took a day out of his week during camp and drove three hours to come hang out with teenagers, to invest in them, to speak into them in our evening session. But even more powerful than the message that he brought that night was when I walked into dinner with him and we walked through the camp food line and we got our meal that we weren't sure what it was and, and we, we, I went and sat down at my table and I looked up and I was like, where's pastor? I looked around. He wasn't in the same room as I was. I'm like, oh, man, well, all right. Maybe he found somebody else, whatever. And so I eat my food real quick and I start kind of working around, making sure kids are cleaning up after themselves. And then I found him. I found Pastor Mercer sitting at a table of like sixth grade boys having dinner, talking, laughing, sharing life. 
And guys, that's not normal for a senior pastor. Especially if you've ever eaten with a sixth grade boy, you know that that's an adventure in and of itself. You don't know what you're going to walk out wearing. You don't know what's going to happen, what's going to be said, how things are going to be eaten, what combination of things are going to get put on a fork. It's a weird environment, but pastor chose to spend that time with our students. And that speaks volumes. But it doesn't just take a supportive pastor and student pastor that's not the only influence in their life because here's the thing, it takes an entire church, it takes an entire community to come in and invest in students' lives, to speak truth in their lives, to reach them with the goodness of the gospel. It's not just those that sign on the dotted line for student ministry that are able to impact students' lives. It requires every single one of us to invest and to empower I don't know if you remember a message I gave a couple, couple, maybe it was about a year or so ago, where I encouraged us all to be paper clips. I don't know if you remember that, but I used the illustration of a paper, a paper airplane, how you could fold a paper airplane and throw it, and it'll go, depending on how good you are, it could go a couple feet, or it can go a couple, you know, a couple yards, whatever. But something as simple as a paper clip attached to that paper airplane changes its trajectory. Something so simple, so small, attached to that paper airplane will change where it goes, how fast it gets there. And we challenge you to be those paper clips in students' lives. We challenge you to encourage, to challenge, to influence the lives. Well, that leads me to this question. Like, if we're going to reach this generation, if we're going to reach this next generation that's coming up, we need to do it together. How do we as a church do this? How do we as a community reach this next generation? It's not just a question for me as a student pastor, but it's a question for us as a church. And I want to draw your attention to a passage that's in Psalm chapter number 78. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, it'll be on the screens. But Psalm 78 is where we're going to be today. We're going to camp out there. We're looking at just eight verses. The first eight verses of Psalm 78. This is a psalm, it's considered a historical psalm. It's a psalm that was written by Asaph that just recounts all of the trials with the Israelites and God, all the goodness that God had poured into them and how many times that the Israelites maybe turn their back on God or don't reflect and don't remember the goodness of God. And the challenge here in the first eight verses that's laid down is don't let the next generation forget what God has done. Don't be the generation that lets their kids forget about God. And that is my plea to us this morning. That we will not be the generation that's responsible for our kids and our kids' kids not knowing who Jesus is. Let's read this together. Psalm 78, starting in verse number one, and then we'll unpack it. Here we go. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from, of old things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments. 
and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Let's pray. Father, as we unpack these words, as we talk about what it means to reach this next generation, what it takes to reach this generation, to invest in this generation. Lord, I pray that you would open up our ears, open up our hearts to the message that you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would equip and empower each and every one of us to do what you have called us to do. Lord, speak through me today. Help me get out of the way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The rest of the psalm goes on and talks about these historical events of God providing and the Israelites complaining and and God providing and Israelites forgetting and all these things. And it's this back and forth battle uh, of God and and the Israelites. And and the author here in the first eight verses is saying, don't let this happen again. Remember what I've done. And that is our challenge today. To not let this generation of students that we have either in this church or in our community or anywhere else Forget about the goodness of Jesus. Forget about the goodness of God. So I asked that question, like, how do we reach this generation? How do we reach this next generation? I have a few things from this scripture here that I want to point out to you. It's not an exclusive list. It's not, like, all-inclusive, like, I've covered every part of it. But just from these eight verses, I see a few things that we could definitely apply to our lives right now. Ready? First thing is this. Reaching the next generation requires listening. Reaching the next generation requires listening. I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, well, I don't want to listen to teenagers. They talk funny. I don't understand the Gen Z logo or a lingo. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about listening to teenagers. I'm talking about listening to God. Verse number one very simply states, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. If you catch anything from that verse, it's listen up. God very clearly throughout Scripture challenges us to share God's word, to, to equip those around us, to pass on the, the, the words of God to the people around us. And that includes teenagers. That includes students. I mean, this passage right here is, is very, very clear. Like, don't let the next generation forget. And you might be hearing it right now, but are you listening? Do you listen to God's word? Do you listen to the commands that are found in there? But we all know that's not the only way God speaks to us. As a matter of fact, that, like, he speaks to me through God's word all the time, like when I'm reading, when I'm studying. But more times than not, it's that still small voice. It's that, it's that quietness, that prick at your heart when you're in a situation. Do you listen to those? I'm a self-proclaimed caffeine addict. I'll be the first to tell you. I thought about starting a support group, but I knew I wouldn't quit. So um, I didn't. But I was at Dunkin' Donuts the other day getting my fix. So I wouldn't have that, the shakes by 1030, right? And, and, I'm, and the drive through line was really long. And so I was like, I'll just run inside and, and grab it. So I go inside, which I don't normally do. And the lady, girl behind the counter, I had a Cross Life t-shirt on. Girl behind the counter goes, oh, do you go to Cross Life? And I was like, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm a student pastor over there. Oh, that's great. And in my mind, 
in my heart, I hear God going, now's your chance. Don't blow it. Like, you better, you better talk to her. And I, to tell you that I had like this wrestling match between my heart and my brain and my tongue was like just two days. Like all I wanted was my coffee and get out the door. Like I, I was not on the clock yet. I got, it was early. I hadn't had my caffeine yet. My brain wasn't fully functioning. And, I, and God's saying right now, like now's your chance. Like the door, I kicked the door wide open. Why are you not listening to me? And I'll say this not as a bragging moment, but in this moment of surrender, I said, all right, God, fine. I'll do it. And I just invited this girl. I said, hey, you know, what's your name? Where do you go to school? Like, and she goes, oh, I'm a senior. Um, and I was like, oh, that's great. You know, we'd love to have you come join us. You know, are you go to church anywhere? Said, no, we used to, but we don't anymore. And I just, I had that honest little five-second conversation with her. And I hope and pray that she shows up. I hope and pray that she comes. But it was because I was able to listen. Now, how many times have you been in a situation where you know God is challenging you, you know God is pushing you, you know God is like chipping away at your heart, and you just push it to the side? Maybe God needs to use a two-by-four approach. Now, some of you are as stubborn as me, like it doesn't, it's not the still small voice, it's the two-by-four in the back of the head, like, wake up. But we need to listen. First step to reaching this generation is to listen. God will provide you opportunities, you got to listen for them. Number two. Number two is this, reaching the next generation demands obedience to God's word. Obedience to God's word. How many of you have children? I already shared that I've got three, so this is a struggle in my house, the idea of obedience. Um, and we're all guilty of this. We hear things, but we don't necessarily do things, right? You've been in this boat before, especially if you're a parent. I had a situation with one of my children. He'll remain unnamed. I only have a son, one son. But the other day, yesterday, um, we asked him, hey, Gavin. Oh, sorry, I said your name. He's like trying to crawl under the pew right now. But I was like, Gavin, I need you to take out the trash. But he was, he was on his Xbox. He was playing a game, whatever, no big deal. All right, I'll do it, I'll do it as soon as this game's over. Great, move on. Two hours later, we come back and the trash can is still overflowing. Gavin, check out the trash yet? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'll do that right now. All right, do it right now. Like, take the trash. And, like, everything's short of turning off the Xbox it took to get him to, like, obey and do what he's called. But I'm not doing this to pick on him, but I'm saying how often are we in this scenario? We know what we're told to do. We're commanded to do things. We know that God wants us to do X, Y, and Z, but we keep kicking it down the road. We say, no, I'll do it when I'm ready. I'll do it when, when I want to. I'm not ready to do it. I don't want to obey right now. Well, here's the thing. In verses 2 through 6 of, of, of Psalm 78, it says this. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that have been heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children. Catch that part. We will not hide them from our children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He's established the testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to the children. It's pretty cut and dry there, guys. We are commanded to tell the coming generation of the goodness of God, of what he has done in your life, what he has done for you and your family, what he has done in your salvation and how he has changed you. But we don't tell. We don't obey. We might listen. We're hearing it. We know we're supposed to. 
But are we taking that step in obedience? Are we following through? Are we allowing God to use us to, to reach people? We gotta share what God has done in us and for us. Number three, reaching the next generation focuses on hope and holiness. And this is the part that I love because this is where you see life change step in. Like, we don't reach the genera next generation just to get them to join our youth group. We don't reach the next generation just to, like, boost our numbers. We don't reach the next generation to, like, have the coolest club in town. No, we reach the generation so that that person can have hope in Jesus Christ and the, and the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. And we reach that generation so that they have that hope that they can pursue holiness, that they can obey the commands that God God has put out there for us so that we could see their lives changed. When you're obedient and you focus on hope, lives are changed. Verse number seven says this, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. We tell the next generation, so that they have hope in God. I don't know about you guys, but that moment where God's hope stepped in my life changed my life forever. Like I look at that moment in my life where, where God stepped in and, and radically changed my life, where that hope of heaven rather than the despair of hell was my destination. It changes everything. And when we try to reach this generation, when we try to go out into the community, we try to support and we try to encourage and we try to challenge it's all for the purpose of introducing them to the hope of Jesus that's found through his salvation. It's, it's so that we can encourage them and challenge them to live a life that is changed, that's pursuing the commandments, the commandments to love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, to love your neighbor as yourself. No other motives allowed. It's not about how many people you can lead to Jesus. It's not how many people, like, you don't do it so you can keep track in the back of your Bible with little tick marks. Like, oh, reached another one. No. It's so that that individual, that person, can find out the hope that they have in Jesus. That is why we reach. That's what we focus on. We focus on hope and holiness. Lives changed. Which leads me to my, my fourth point here is this, reaching the next generation brings on just that, change. As a youth pastor, there's nothing more exciting than lives changed. There's nothing more exciting than seeing a student who wasn't in Christ receive Christ and see their lives transformed. I, like I said earlier, I've been in student ministry for 16 plus years and like I could give you story after story after story of kids who were far from God God interce interceded, and all of a sudden, they are radically pursuing him. Reaching this generation changes things. Verse number eight, it talks about this a little bit. And it talks all about how it's gone through. Share the people, share the stories, let them know, like encourage them, command, you're commanded to tell them. And then verse number eight. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. What is happening here is the author here is challenging the Israelites to whatever has happened in our past, let's not let it happen again. Let's see change. And that's my challenge to us as a church. 
Let's see change in our students' lives. Let's pursue them. Let's reach them. Let's encourage them. Let's invest in them so that their lives are changed, so that they become the generation that wins over the world for Christ, so that they become the generation that is the world changers that we need, that they become the generation that overcomes a culture that's filled with sin and and hatred and, and, and debauchery, and that they step up to the plate and they change a culture because of their changed lives. But it falls on us. Because here's the thing, when God's people didn't teach that next generation, they grew up not knowing the Lord or his mighty works. Let's not let this happen. Let's not be the generation that's responsible for the next generation not knowing who Jesus is. Let's take a little pride in this. Let's take a little, little bit of, of, of skin in the game, if you would, and let's make sure that we're doing everything we can to invest. Make sure we're doing everything we can to reach this next generation. And you might be sitting there in your pew right now thinking, well, how does that happen? What do I do? How can I go about this? Don't worry. In true pastor form, I've got some points for you. If you're taking notes, write these down. Because this isn't what we can do as a church. I'm going to make it personal. Here's what you can do. Not the person sitting next to you, not the person that is in the pew next to you that already works in student ministry, not the youth worker that came to camp with us, but you as an individual. I don't care if you're a college student or a teenager yourself or a senior citizen that has great, great grandkids. Every single one of you has a responsibility and has an opportunity to invest in our students. And I want to give you some things that you could do right now. How can you reach this next generation? Number one is this, listen to them. Listen to them. Students are some of my favorite people to talk to. Because they're real. No offense, adults, but you've gotten really good at putting up a facade. Students will be honest. Listen to them. Every single individual in this room including our students, that individual has a story. And that story is begging to be heard. We have students that walk through these doors every Sunday carrying a burden of hurt, of guilt, of shame. And they just want their story to be heard. As a church, We have a responsibility to listen, to listen to those individuals, to listen to their story. They have opinions. They may not be right opinions, but they have opinions. And to them, those opinions are important. And if you want to reach someone, you've got to be willing to listen to them. You've got to be willing to take interest and what they're taking interest in. Whatever burdens them needs to burden you. Listen to them. Here's the thing I've also realized over the years is that they also have wisdom. Students, teenagers have wisdom. They see things from a different perspective. They see things from a different angle. If you're a teenager in here and you're sitting next to your parents, don't be elbowing them. Be like, I told you, I'm smarter. 
That's, I saw that over there. I saw that exchange. <laughs> but know that they do. They have wisdom. You can learn from teenagers. Don't think you've got it all figured out. Listen to them. Step number one, listen to the students. Number two, if you want to reach this next generation, not only do you have to listen to them, here's a challenge. Do something for them. Do something for them. I know that might seem like super elementary and like super like, like superficial, if you would. But if you serve a student, they're going to listen to you. I saw it happen at camp. We took 30 adults with us to camp. And they gave five days of their energy and their sleep. And, and like by the end of the day, those adults that were with us had more influence in those students' lives than they did when they started. Serve them. Maybe it's in a small group. Maybe it's on a Wednesday night. Whatever that is, like volunteer, just serve them. Here's, here's, a, here's another one I would challenge you to do. Take a student out to lunch. Food speaks, right, teenagers? Right? Like, if, if, if you want to, like, invest in a student, take them to Chick-fil-A, order a number one, and sit down and let them talk. Because I guarantee that they are, at that moment, going to listen. Like, invest in them. Like, do something for them. Go to their games. Go to their performances. Be their biggest cheerleader in the stands. Do something for them. Number three, not just listen to them, do something for them, but then invest in them. Now, again, I repeat, this church does an amazing job investing in students. I'm so blessed to serve at this church and the investment they, they make in student ministry. But there's more to investing in students than finances. What about your time? What about your energy? Like, are you, are you spending time with students? Are you, are you giving energy to them? I think of people in my life when I was a teenager, when I was that squirrely teenager that was like trying to figure out like what was going on in the world. And I think of the adults that spent time with me. I've shared before about a guy named Dale Patrick in my life who when I was a teenager, he was a, he was a college intern um, that drove like 30 minutes to our, our church every time we met as a student ministry. And I honestly, like in my three years of playing varsity football, I don't think he missed a single game. Most of my home basketball games, there was Dale sitting in the stands cheering me on. After one of my football games, he grabbed me and we went out to White Castle and we just spent time together. Like, and we ate 25 burgers each and we regretted that decision in that moment. But man, that time that we spent together was invaluable. Are you investing in teenagers? Are you investing in students? Are you giving your time? Are you giving your energy? What about your words? When was the last time you spoke words of truth, words of love, words of affirmation over a teenager? There was a guy by the name of Tim Berry. He was the superintendent of my high school Sunday school class. And like for years, he would speak words of encouragement over my life. Daryl, I think you need to consider ministry. Daryl, I think you need to become a youth pastor. I think this is for you. And I would literally laugh in his face. Like, nope, sorry, Tim, not in my cards. Here I am doing exactly what he spoke over my life. But it wasn't until I was a freshman in college that I was sitting there and the burden came upon me and all those words that were spoke over me by Tim over the years came and filled my heart and filled my mind and I went, God, 
Thank you. Thank you for that adult that poured into me, that invested in me. Are you investing in teenagers? Are you doing something for them? Are you listening to them? Number four, catch this part, ready? Pray for them. I know that seems like the Sunday school answer, right? You've got every answer in Sunday school can be answered by prayer, Bible, or Jesus, right? And, and, and every once in a while, Noah gets thrown in there. But pray for them. Pray for them in private. Like, go to your, your prayer time, and if you know teenagers, man, pray for them by name. If you don't know teenagers, email me. I will send you a list of 200 plus students that need prayer. Gladly. Pray for them by name. Pray for them by situation. Pray that God would get a hold of them, that God would use them, that God would transform their lives. Then get really awkward with it. Pray for them in person. One of my favorite things to do in student ministry is I get kids all the time, like after I, after I preach, will come up to me and be like, hey, Daryl, can you pray about this situation? And in their minds, they're thinking, all right, I'm just going to tell you and I'm going to walk away. And, and, I'm, and, we'll, and like you can just pray about it tomorrow, all right? But I grab them right there. I was like, sure, let's pray right now. Boom. And I just start praying. <laughs> and like they're squirming. They're like, ah, ah, what's going on? Right? It's great, though, because it shows that we care. And it's not just lip service. It's not just saying, yeah, we'll pray for you. It's that moment of actually taking time to pray for them. Are you praying for students? If we're going to reach this next generation, we need to listen to them. We need to do something for them. We need to invest in them. We need to pray over them. And then finally, ready? Be around them. Be willing to be around students. Now that means some of you might need to sign up to serve in the greatest student ministry of all the world. And I will gladly take your name and talk to you, and Tommy would gladly talk to you about serving in a sixth grade boys small group, and like they will eat you alive, and we will love every second of it, but by the end of it, you'll fall in love with them. But maybe that's just you being more intentional, pre-service, in between service, after service. Maybe there's a teenager that sits two pews away from you every day, and you just need to talk to them. There was that guy in my life, he sat two pews behind me in church. My family had our pew. Like we sat like, would have been like right here. Like we would have filled up that whole pew right there. And he sat two pews behind it. Every Sunday, like clockwork, he would grab me by the arm and say, Daryl, how'd your football game go? Daryl, how, how's, how's your Bible study going? Hey, Daryl, how's your grandpa? I know he's been sick. He had cancer. Like, is, how's he doing? like clockwork, and I could trust that he would ask me, and I knew that he was praying for me. Maybe that's your engagement with students. Whatever it is, I challenge you to increase that time. If you want to serve in students, man, come talk to me. If you just want to know what God's doing in students, man, I would love to sit down and chat with you. But as we get ready to close our services this morning, I want to challenge each and every one of us to do something. I'm going to give you an opportunity to fulfill one of those steps. Those five things that we just talked about to do, I want to give you an opportunity right now. No excuses, zero excuses. You could do one of them right now. As we get ready to close our service, as we get ready to, to, to finish in a time of worship, we're going to open the altar. And I'm going to give an opportunity for every single one of you to come down and get on your knees and pray for our students. Pray for our teenagers. 
Man, nothing more powerful than seeing a church get behind our students, get behind our, this next generation that we need to reach, that we need to encourage, that we need to empower. But I want to add an extra step. As you sit in this room, there's teenagers spread out all over the place. We got teenagers working cameras. We got teenagers serving in, in usher spots. We got teenagers literally throughout this entire place. As we pray here in just a few moments, I would challenge you to grab a teenager, bring them to the altar, pray for them right now in public. It starts now. That investment starts now. You might not even know a teenager in here. That's okay. It'll be awkward, but it's okay. I promise the teenagers don't bite unless they get bit first. Okay? Bring one of them to the altar. Ask them their name. Pray for them. If you're in this room this morning and, and you heard me talk about that hope and that holiness that we're pursuing and that, that can only be achieved through Jesus and maybe you're sitting in here and you're like, man, I just, I need that. I need that hope. I need, I need to know what it's like to pursue Jesus. I need to know what it's like to be going towards heaven rather than hell. I want you to know that Jesus is able to save you and all it takes is the cry of your heart out to him and say, God, I need you. Save me. Forgive me. I would challenge you, if that's you in this room, don't leave today without grabbing a staff person that's in this place. Say, I need Jesus. And I guarantee they'd be willing to pray for you. They'd be willing to pray with you. But right now, let's stand to our feet. I'll pray, and then the altar will be open, and I want to see this place filled with adults on their face praying for students and adults praying over students. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that it challenges us, the way that we're pushed to do life differently because of your word and because of your commands. Lord, I pray right now that you would just fill this place with an atmosphere of prayer over our, this next generation, Lord, that we would reach them with the good news of the gospel, Lord, that we would equip them, we would invest in them so that they could become the world changers that you've created them to be. Lord, I thank you for a church that loves students. Lord, I thank you for a church that invests in students. And right now, I pray that we would see that in this moment of prayer. Lord, if there's one in here this morning that needs you, needs to be saved, that needs the forgiveness, the salvation, and that hope that we've talked about, Lord, I pray that you would touch their hearts right now. Have them talk to someone before they leave today so that we could show them what you're capable of. God, we give this time to you right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.